Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Rooted Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Panetta. As always, you know where I'm at. I'm downtown in Salem, Oregon. And Oregon, well, Salem is home to Groundwork, a leadership institute, which we started a couple years ago, uh, you know, three years ago now. And our goal at Groundwork is to raise the tide of leadership in our community. As what it started out as, it's really morphed into something broader and bigger and, and deeper. And, and what we say now um, is our purpose is to be catalyst for transformational change. So we love the idea of transformational change, but we know that you can't force it. You can't, there's no special ingredient to it. And so all we can do is create the conditions for it. So this podcast is intended to capture some of those ideas of different elements that go into change and how leaders and everyday people can use different concepts and principles to better themselves, better their relationships. So with that, I'm going to jump right into today's episode. We got an awesome guest here. They're with us on Zoom. Uh, his name is Julio. Julio is a uh, friend of mine. Uh, we used to work together at the Arbinger Institute. And man, I've been looking forward to this episode because uh, we want to dive into storytelling today. And I'm really passionate about storytelling. Um, and so I, I'm just eager to jump into it. And Julio is, uh, he'll tell you his official title. I'll probably slaughter it because he does a lot there. I'll slaughter what his title is. I don't know what, exactly what it is, but he does a lot of the video editing, you know, just the, the, the storytelling um, digitally there. Just And if anybody knows about the Arbinger Institute, they have amazing videos. Uh, it's just so much of their work. So he has a big job there and he does an amazing job at it. Um, and uh, so it's just a pleasure having you, Julio. Thanks for joining joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Chris. Hopefully you you find this helpful. Oh, this is going to be amazing <laughs> yeah. because you, you just have a an incredible lens, I'm confident, on storytelling um, because it's, it, from my point of view, it's literally what you do for a living. You get to tell stories and piece together stories. Yeah. So pretty, pretty amazing. But why don't you, why don't you introduce yourself? in a more formal way. Cause I, yeah. I know you, you know, okay. as Julio and you, and a friend and, and, uh, yeah. you know, I value our friendship, although we don't get to connect a whole lot anymore now that I've moved away, but go ahead and tell us more. States away. Yeah. Tell us more about yourself, what you do there. Yeah, at so Arbiter. My name is, yeah. So my name is Julio Rincon. I'm officially, I guess, the lead storyteller at the Arbinger Institute. Um, and what that means is, um, as the Arbinger Institute puts together their films, uh, we go and we go out and we capture these stories. We, uh, you know, contact these people and and just got to get to know them. Um, it's very uh, conversational format that we do. We just get to know the people, get to know their story, uh, talk about the process, how they implemented Arbinger, what kind of changes they've made in their lives, and and some of the successes that they've seen along the way because of it. So I I think I have the funnest job at Arbinger. I mean, I get to meet some incredible people, get to hear some amazing stories, and I get to travel the world. So it's 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 a fun job, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so tell us more. Uh, I want to come back to more of the speci- you know these specifics of what you get to do at Arbinger. Um, but before we get into that, tell us more just about you, man. I mean, who who are you? Who's who is Julio? What's oh, important man. to you? I don't know how far you want to go back. Um, Let's see, um, I guess, um, you know, I've always been intrigued by stories. Um, growing up, we had a, 
I don't know. Some of you guys might be too too young to know this, but we had those VHS camcorders. Um, and so we would set that up. Me and my brother would set that up in the living room and we had these little toys and we just kind of did some stop motion videos. Um, and, you know, we just told little stories like, you know, they, they walk around, they fall down or they toss a ball. So uh, nothing too intricate as far as the story goes, but that's kind of where it began. Uh, from there, I kind of took that, that love into college um, where I, I got a degree in graphic design with an emphasis in 3D animation. And this was back, oh boy, I'm going to date myself here, but uh, <laughs> this is back in, in the late 90s, early 2000s when uh, really the internet was just coming around. Um, Pixar uh, was, was probably the biggest thing that, that was coming out around then. Um, and so I wanted to, I, I really loved the idea of telling stories and building these characters of build, building a world around them. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I did that 3d animation course, um, or emphasis, I guess. Um, but, um, that was a lot easier than doing documentaries at the time. Cause documentaries, you know, at the time, like all there was, was national geographic or like these big documentaries. This was before the age of Netflix. So it wasn't just like readily accessible to people and same, mm -hmm. you know, and, and there's a lot of factors that go into that, but, um, you know, so, so the easiest and quickest way I, I saw myself building a story was through 3d animation. And that was great. Cause, um, you know, the only resource you really needed was, was time. Yeah. Um, and a nice computer too. I mean, you gotta, you gotta have a computer that can, that can enable those environments and be able to render them out. Um, so anyways, I, I um, graduated from, from Utah State uh, with, a, with a graphic design degree. And I went to work uh, for the phone book company at the time. <laughs> so this was late 2000s, yeah. or I'm sorry, middle 2000s. So mm -hmm. uh, the phone directory was kind of on, on its way out. I don't know if you guys remember those big old books. Oh, yeah. The phone directories, you, can, you could smack someone with oh, yeah. them. Um, yeah, so, we, so that was kind of a dying dying industry. And so I, I saw that I needed my way, way out of that before, uh, you know, it, it was one way, one way or another was coming to an end. Yeah. Um, and so I applied for this company, it was an airline company. And, and so I showed him my portfolio, showed him everything that I did in college and all the, all the different abilities that I had. And so they put me on as a multimedia designer. And, uh, so basically what that meant is I could do any kind of design, whether it's web design, graphic design, uh, photography, um, anything like that. And they also saw at the time when I applied that, that I had some animations in my portfolio. And so they said, Hey, uh, you know, you, you can cut together these animations. You want to do that with video. Um, and before then I had never done anything with video. And so I was like, yeah, sure. Well, I'll give it a, I'll, I'll give it the old college try. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> So we did that. Um, that was about 13, 14 years ago when mm. I, when I started doing that and I've been in video ever since, you know, I've been, uh, an in-house company with, uh, with an airline company doing all the design there. And then I moved on to a ad agency where I was just selling all sorts of different products yeah. and doing all sorts of different creative things. Uh, that was great. Um, but it just didn't have any meaning and, and didn't have, the story or the passion behind it, like, um, like I wanted to be in. And so, um, you know, I actually applied for Arvinger as a graphic designer 
and uh, kind of the same scenario where, oh, where, uh, you know, the managing partner saw my portfolio and he's like, well, talk to me about this video work. And <laughs> yeah. um, so it just was that now kinda, six uh, years ago, seven years ago, six years ago. Yeah. Six and a half years ago. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've been with Arvinger for a little bit and, and uh, yeah, see, so he saw the, the motion graphics stuff and the video work that I was able to do to produce and he, and he loved that. And so that's, that's what I've been doing ever since. Yeah. Well, you definitely have a, you know, gift for it. Thanks for giving that, uh, that background there. As you were talking, it, it reminded me just of how important, um, stories are to, to us, to, you know, to human beings. I mean, one, we, we communicate in stories. I mean, that's just how we've always communicated. That's what history is. And, whether it's through drawings, you know, uh, in a cave or in a book or how we're talking right now. I mean, storytelling is so important to us. Uh, and we, we, it's not just important to us, but we love it. I mean, it's a form of entertainment. I mean, that's why we read books, you know, a lot of times. That's why we go to the movies. That's why we watch our TV shows. Uh, they're all stories. And, and so your, your, your history kind of also showed the, uh, the morph, you know, the change uh, in transformation and in, in how stories can be told um, as well, uh, visually, to, you know, um, and it's, I think it's just amazing. Uh, so when I think about storytelling, I always think about the the big picture of why stories and narrative is so important to us. You know, there's the there's the sayings they talk about all the time in academics of you know, that, uh, whoever controls the narrative is, is who usually controls the power, right? Who, who can tell the best story? I mean, that's what we see play out in the media right now. Um, who can tell the best story is the one with all the power and with all the, the influence. And now that, now that you put platform in people's hands on our cell phones, where people are able to tell their own stories and get it out into the world, same thing, people, Whoever's telling the most compelling story or the most uh, provocative story is getting all the the followers. So, in general, stories are just a powerful, powerful tool. We can dive more into that. But I'm really curious on, um, you know, you said that the place you were before Arbinger, there wasn't. Uh, I can't remember exactly the word you said, but wasn't you know the the deeper meaning or purpose wasn't there. But I know, you know, knowing Arbinger, I know that you feel that there. They, there's kind of a pretty compelling vision and mission there. So tell us why, a little bit about that, but, but through this question of why, why does storytelling matter to the Arbinger Institute? You know, other than normal marketing, you know, every, storytelling matters to every company. You got to market, you got to tell your story. But why does storytelling, you know, compelling stories matter to the Arbinger Institute in your, in your eyes? Yeah. So, you know, I started Arbinger six and a half years ago. Um, and it's kind of a been a process that's been developing since then. But even before then, uh, you know, our managing partner kind of saw the power of story. Um, and it goes it goes beyond just the classroom, it goes beyond just the training room. Um, it has a it has the ability to touch people's hearts mm -hmm. and not only not only touch their hearts, but um change their hearts, right? Um, you can show people pie charts and slides and graphs and all that, you know, all day long. But if you, if you attach that, that idea or that concept into a story, a personal story, you know, people hear those stories and they can relate whether it's not specifically the same as the story being told, they can often 
relate one or two points and be able to say, oh, you know, I've, I've been there. I've done that. Um, you know, if this person was able to make that change, I, I think I can make that change too. Um, and so I think that's the power of story is, is being able to relate to people. Yeah. It, it kind of cuts through all the, all the layers that we create, um, in our life, you know, the, the different, I don't even know the right word to, to put to it, but the, the, uh, <laughs> the metaphorical jargon or what, whatever it is that we just create in our relationships and our organizations. I, I agree with you. Storytelling has this powerful ability to get right to the, to the heart of it. Um, and, uh, there's just a tremendous power there. And I, uh, I want, I want to get your thoughts on a couple of things. You know, um, a lot, a lot of our listeners know, I've, I think I've mentioned it a few times, but, you know, I teach a class, uh, on storytelling at a university and, uh, the whole purpose of the class is to help, you know, the students learn the power of storytelling so that they can leverage it in bringing people together. Right. Um, and, and there's a lot of ways that you can tell a story. Yeah. You can tell it, you know, verbally, you know, it's like standing in front of a group, you share a story. It could be writing, it could be through video. So I try to open the door to all those students. Hey, look, you can, you can tell stories in a lot of different ways, but the, the, the bones to it tend to be very similar no matter if it's if you're writing if you're doing it digitally if you're just you know speaking to a group um but there's a there's a distinction i always make at the beginning of the course and these are things i want to get your your insight on um one of them is there's a difference between formal and informal storytelling so informal would be what we're doing right now like what i mentioned earlier human beings love talking story we just love to chat we love to 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 talk to one another um we communicate through stories and so an informal story is it's just happening. There's not a real purpose to it. There's not a methodical, you know, um, pre, <laughs> preconceived idea of why we're doing it. Where a, a formal story has that, you have a very clear purpose in mind. Um, you have a, kind of a destination of where you want that story to take people. Uh, there's a lot of time and energy that goes into it. You identify it, you analyze it. Um, and that's that's where I focus the the curriculum on the, of the course on is the formal storytelling. How can you start to leverage formal stories, you know, to bring people together to make a difference? Um, and uh, and I have this thing I always tell the students. I say, you know, an unanalyzed story isn't worth keeping. You know, if you haven't analyzed the story, then it's not worth it's not worth keeping. And one, you're not going to remember it. But you got to tell if you're going to tell a story, you got to tell a story with purpose. You should have analyzed it first. Um, so I would love to get your thoughts on on this idea of informal versus formal storytelling and where you see that play out and this idea of analyzing stories cuz you I've been on this on a few sets with you and it's like a conversation you know you put the cameras on yeah. and you just let the person talk there's no like tell us the perfect story right now that's it's that's never it it's like Julio I want you to tell the perfect story and there's got to be this perfect climax where everybody's going to like be on the edge of their seats and then you got to come bring it all to a like all to some conclusion. Like that's not what you ask people to do. You just ask them questions no. and they talk. But in your videos, you you do that. You piece it together. So tell us about that. Like tell us about that process, and and what you've learned from that over the years. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things we've learned is that we we there is the importance of doing pre production on on a shoot. Uh, what that means is you actually reach out to these people and you kind of walk through. 
kind of like you and I did before we before we started the recording, right? Like yeah. you just get an idea of what you're going to talk about. So that way they're not wandering all over the place. You kind of narrow around, down that road. Mm-hmm. So they have some direction to go down. Um, so I think that's what makes the difference between an informal and a formal, right? Like an informal, you're just saying, okay, tell me about yourself. Well, I can, I can go in a lot of different ways with that. Yeah. But if you say, Hey, tell me about, tell me what it was like in, in high school for you. Like what were classes like? What were your friends like? What was your social life like? Uh, that gives them a little bit more narrow path to kind of, yeah. to kind of explore. Right. And you get farther along that way. Um, rather, if you're if you're wandering out in the field, you're you're kind of wandering all over the place. But if you have a path, you're going to get a lot farther with that. Um, and then the other important thing is, is you mentioned this: you got to have a point to it, right? Like people aren't going to remember just stories just for story's sake. Uh, there's got to be there's got to be some sort of point to that story. Um, and that's really where. Um, that's what people are going to identify with and that's what they're going to take to heart. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. No, absolutely. And then tell, I mean, tell us kind of your end of oh. what do you do with those? Cause you, you, yeah. know, you ask some questions, but then what, what you end up doing with it, I think is they're powerful stories when people tell them, you know, real time, but yeah, the art of videography and like putting these together artistically is, you know, that's a whole other piece to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I mean, when you get people talking, they'll, they'll kind of wonder and it's, and it's basically because of recollection, right? Like you're not able to recollect everything in the precise, uh, you know, um, the most cinematic or most, Mm -hmm. uh, um, story, um, driven way. Like you're, you're going to tend to stumble around your story, but eventually you kind of get there. And so what we do is we just, we, we gather all that, we gather all the information we can, and then we go back and say, what's the essence of that story? What's the heart of that story? And we carve it down. Um, it's almost like sculpting, right? Like you start out with mm-hmm. this big piece of clay and you kind of say, okay, what should it look like? Should it be a person? Should it be a, an animal? Um, and then we just start to carve it out that way. Um, and by the end, you have something that's really, that's really neat. Um, I'm, I'm, as long as you're willing to get... Um, curious with the person and explore that, that story with them. Uh, usually we were able to come back with, with the meat of that story. Um, and you do want to concise it down to, to the meat of the story because otherwise people get, tend to get lost in the details. Um, you know, and, um, you want to make your story as powerful as an impactful as you can. Yeah. And then obviously you have the, one of the amazing things of video is you have B-roll, which contributes yes. to the story, right? Um, yeah. Which is amazing. I mean, that's what makes, I think that's what makes digital storytelling so compelling is because I can sit you in here and tell you a story that's meant, that's really compelling that, you know, that changed me, all that jazz, but it's not like you have this video to be watching while I'm doing it. So I yeah. love B-roll because it's such a huge part of the storytelling. So how do you, how do you see that fitting in to this, to the story? I mean, how do you choose the right B-roll, I mean, how do you make it use that as a part of the compelling nature of a digital story? Yeah, the B-roll, and for, for people that don't know what B-roll yeah, we better is, explain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you have your, and this goes back to the movie making days, like where, where they had film roles. Um, and the A-roll would be your, kind of your main, your main story, your main visuals. The, the and then narrative. The B-roll would yeah. be... Yeah, supplementary stuff, uh, stuff that kind of helps bridge the gap, 
uh, transitions and stuff like that. So that's the B roll and the A roll. Uh, so B roll in our case would be, um, you know, all the visuals to help tell the story. Cause usually uh, the way Arbinger works is the A roll would be uh, the main interview where we're sitting down, we're talking to people, we're exploring their story. And then B roll would be uh, capturing a day in the life, you know, what it is, what it is to be, you know, um, engaging with coworkers or what it is, you know, uh, interacting with your spouse or uh, whatever the case may be. And it just helps paint that story. Um, you know, you can, you can get a, a lot of people can paint that story in their heads, but if you're able to visually show it, then you take them right there right away. And you're, you're uh, same thing again, right? You're, you're putting them down the same path instead of people wondering, you know, when they talk about a field and a tree, like, what does that field look like? Yeah. Is it flat? Does it have hills? Uh, but if you give them that visual, then you don't have to, uh, they don't have to come up with that. They're, they're just mm. focused on the story and it just helps them stay on that story. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love, that's why I love B-roll. Um, and you know, we're, we're about 20 minutes in, so I want to, I just want to kind of take us, uh, a step back to listeners of, you know, we're talking about all this intricacies of storytelling, specifically digital storytelling, but I just want to make it relevant real quick for people, um, listening of why storytelling matters. And it goes back to what I said earlier is, storytelling is influence and storytelling is, is power. So, you know, if you're a business, <laughs> you got to tell a really good story, right? If, uh, to persuade people and persuasion is a, a lot of times persuasion has this sort of negative connotation to it, but persuasion, I mean, persuasion is a, in the literature is an element of servant leadership. I mean, servant leaders are good at persuasion, not to manipulate or control, but you got to be able to persuade and tell a good story, especially to influence people and guide them in the right direction. So if you're a leader, I think, go ahead. I think or, um, persuasion in a, in a positive way is inspiration, right? Yeah. Uh, you inspire people to do things. Uh, yeah. You're no longer persuading them. It's no longer a battle, but an inspiration. Uh, they go out and they do themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I mean, that's well said. And, and that's a, that's a skill set for people to develop. You know, um, I think there's some people that are naturally gifted storytellers um, and probably naturally gifted in different, you know, mediums, whether it's with their, you know, they're sitting uh, in the, in front of a group or they're, you know, doing what you do or writing a book. There's people naturally gifted at that, um, at of telling formal stories. But for the most part, we have to, most of us have to develop that skill. I certainly have had to. And, and, uh, but there's just huge benef massive benefits to it that I just want you know people to really understand whether we're in a leadership role um, or any relationship that we have the ability the ability to communicate you know stories effectively and tell them in a compelling way I mean we can really they can really make a difference stories can I believe stories can change the world you know um, and whoever <laughs> this this sounds like this sort of struggle for power and I don't mean it that way but whoever can tell the best story is going to be, um, the one out in front. And, um, and we need people out in front and stories out in front that are bringing people together <laughs> and, and, and bridging divides, you know, instead of dividing them because you don't have to go too far now on our phones and social media, watch the news where stories are being told in a pretty divisive way. Um, so, yeah. so with that, tell us about, you know, more about Arbinger and, the type of stories 
that they're looking for, how you identify those type of stories and how they're used. Can you tell us those those different elements? Because yeah, you know, and for for those of you who don't know anything about Arbinger, um, this is a a good look at what the work that they do through the stories they tell. I think it's a good way to understand intimately the sort of work they do through the stories they tell. Yeah, if you're curious about Harbinger, we do have a, a YouTube page you can go visit and check out some of our videos. Um, but a lot of the more impactful videos are 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 probably a little bit more um, in-house, rather, mm-hmm. uh, part of our trainings. Um, but um, as far as like... Sorry, I forgot your question. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of... Th- well, two or three part. It was like what... What sort of what sort of stories does Arbinger look for, you know, and why do they look for those? Uh, yes, why yes. do they look for those stories, and then how are they used, you know? Because you, you mentioned they're in house for training, so they tell yeah. us kind of just all the ways stories are identified and used, and why they're used within Arbinger. Yeah, so so we're looking for stories that um, people were able to identify where they've been part of the problem, uh, where for whatever reason they were putting up resistance or building resistance around them um, and how they were able to see that they were part of the problem. Um, and then through, uh, through Arbinger or some change, how they were able to, um, to become part of the solution. Um, so, so they're, they're pretty amazing stories, Julie. And, it, and I mean, and, and I say that, but they don't always have to be like a huge change, right? Like, Sometimes these stories are just making little changes, just saying, um, you know, just getting curious about people, just saying, hey, I, I, I know that we're not getting along. Um, I know that there's something, something riff here. Um, what, what can we do about it? What, what's, what's going on? And just getting curious about that other person and being able to see um, inside that person's world for a little bit uh, just opens up so much. Um, the line of communication, the line of trust. Um, and they're able to to start walking that that path of redemption, um, and so they're pretty they're pretty amazing stories uh, where they're able to turn around. Um, some of those are are workplace related. Some mm-hmm. of those are are personal in their personal life. A lot of those are actually in personal life because once we internalize this material, once we internalize Arbinger, um, it's it's a whole new way of living. It's a whole new way of looking at your life. Yeah. Uh, the people around you, the the people you interact with, the people you care about most. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, it's often those people that we care about most, the, the ones that are most triggering for us. But yeah. Um, well, I, yeah can, so, can I dig in a little bit to this? Because yeah. this is what I was one of the things I was really excited in, in, about getting into was the the stories where we were the problem, right? The stories where we needed to change. That's just, that's. I know those are central to to the Arbinger Institute, but those are just stories central to to change, right? To tra- transformational change doesn't happen unless people start to see that they're the, you know, that they're the part of the problem. Um, and and that I, those are to me. I mean, that's one of the rules I I tell my students in in my classes. You have to start. You have to learn how to tell st- bad stories about yourself. Stories where you were the problem. And if you're going to tell good stories, right, they're stories about other people, <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, and so you tell stories about where you were the problem and you realized you needed to change, or you tell good stories about um, other people that, you know, tried, that helped you to change, right? Um, 
So that's just one of those elements, really simple thing. But I think oftentimes we try to do the opposite. We try to try to tell these amazing stories about ourselves to elevate ourselves, to, to make us look good or sound good. Um, and, uh, and it does the complete opposite. Yeah. It does. Complete <laughs> Oftentimes. Op- right. Yeah. I mean, I had, uh, I always use this example. I use this example with, with the students, but it's like, you know, nobody wants to hear a story where somebody stands up and just talks about how amazing they are. <laughs> right. And here's all the amazing things I do and I never make mistakes and, uh, I'm always so caring and, you know, it, I think it, what I tell them and what had the way I think about it is it puts, it puts that person and the principles that they're trying to talk about or teach out of reach from you. So it's like, well, that's good for you, Julio, or good for you, Chris, that you do that. But I suck at it. You know, I can't even figure it out. Um, where if you start with a, a bad story about yourself, a story where you were the one that needed to change, you immediately equalize yourself with the audiences of knowing, like, I'm no, I'm not above you by any means. I struggle with this as well, whether it's digital, written, you know, verbal, and it just immediately resonates with people because everybody struggles with this, (laughs) this change. Everyone struggles with needing to change, but not knowing how or not wanting to admit it, whatever the case is. So that element, I think is a really important piece to good storytelling but specifically at Arbinger. I mean, what else would you say about that? That the idea of telling us, telling bad stories about yourself and how is, how does that go when you ask people to share when you're, you know, the things that don't make it into the video, when you're asking people, tell us a story, tell us a story when you messed up. I mean, how, how does that usually sit with people? (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a, it's a hard question. I mean, it's, it's really easy to see when other people mess up around you, but it's a little bit harder to, to, take a deep look within yourself and be like, okay, where, where am I? Uh, how have I been wrong or where did I go wrong? Um, but yeah, um, it's, it's amazing. I think most of all, like you said, I think it puts everybody on the same playing field. So everybody starts at the same level. Like we've all screwed up. We've all done things we're not proud of. And, and so putting everybody in that same level field, then they're like, then they're in a space where where they can accept the the message of the story. They can they can listen to your story and and be able to relate to it. Um, so I think that's that's super powerful. Even if it's a story that you know people go on to do amazing things, I think you got to establish that baseline, or else it, it's like you said, uh, it, it becomes unreachable. Um, you got to make it um, relatable to people. You got to make it feel like something that they they are able to accomplish something they're able to do. You know, these changes don't take much, uh, especially with the Arbinger stories. They don't take much. Um, it's, it's a lot of things that people, any, any person can do. Um, but it's just being willing to take that, that change, being, being able to acknowledge that you are part of the problem and be able to take that first step uh, towards change. Yeah. And, you know, stories, uh, they cause you to feel a certain way, you know, like people's emotions will, can change, um, based on a story that they hear or they watch, uh, as part of the power of stories. And so there's, there is a, there is an incredible power that a storyteller has to influence how people feel and what they think, you know? Um, and that's actually, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, that's actually my favorite part about storytelling is, is actually, being able to take people on a journey, um, 
you know, and I think that's why we like stories. That's why we like hearing them or watching them or reading them. Right. Cause we, we like to step outside of ourselves, see mm-hmm. what somebody else's life is like. Um, but then, um, being able to bring it back home is that, that last step, but, but yeah, being able to discover something with someone, you know, that's always exciting. That's always a journey. That's, that's always fun. Um, you know, being able to find something out that you didn't know before, um, is pretty cool. Yeah. That's my favorite part of storytelling as well is, um, uh, is, uh, taking, you know, going on a journey, uh, with people and, and, uh, it's, it's amazing to, to have a, uh, a career where so much of what I get to do is, is, is share stories, but, um, yeah, it, it, it makes a huge difference in, in, in how people feel and what they think based on the way you tell a story. And it's sometimes it's the smallest details and I'm, I'm thinking verbally, cause that's just where most of my stories are manifest. I've been writing a lot more, so they're coming out that way as well, but it's visually, you don't get the B roll like you have, right? So you have to almost paint little pictures, little nuggets here to, to yeah. tell people be there. And, and my rule of thumb that I've always lived by with storytelling ever since I've gotten into actually, you know, formally telling stories and that what I teach the student, my students is you have to relive it, right? You have to relive it to some degree, especially the hard ones. You got to be able to relive some of those emotions that you had so that other people can feel it. Right. It's the, it's the, it's the B-roll. <laughs> it's the verbal B-roll. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's, that's why it's so important to, to get people to accept, uh, you know, where they've messed up is because, um, it, it starts that journey. Um, and everybody can relate to that. And so one thing I wanted to say though, is that we don't just tell stories of people messing up. Like there's a transformation there, right? Like, absolutely. like there's always an end, like, um, and, and that's how we get these people to open up with us is like, we're not here to tell the story of when you messed up. We're here to tell the story of how you changed, how the people around yeah. you now see you differently, how, how you interact with those people. Uh, so it's a, it's a true transformation that they go through and we, and mm-hmm. we, and we get that whole, that whole journey with them. Yeah. The bad, the bad stories are said with quotations because ultimately yeah. they end up being really compelling, good stories, right? Cause it is a story of change and, exactly. and the difference there, I mean, I'll give a quick example, right? The difference is, is, you know, last week, um, this is just a little quick, little quick example, but last week, um, you know, my wife and I, uh, we got in a little argument, uh, in the evening over a few different things. And there's one way to tell that story of, you know, like, you know, my wife, she always waits until the evening to have these conversations, uh, with me and, and, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm a morning person, so I'm not fully thinking in the evening and she wants to, to have all these conversations at 11 at night and solve all the problems in our family. And, and I get really frustrated with it. And, uh, you know, and she just kept nagging. She just kept pushing and, and I was tired of it. I had to wake up. I mean, wake up at four 30. Right. So I didn't want to have to deal with that. Um, and so we got in this argument and, you know, finally the next day we were able to, to figure it out. So there's that way of telling the story, right. Versus telling the story of like what you're talking about, identifying, you know, my role in it, what I have control over. And it goes very different and a different feeling, um, comes along with it within me and within hopefully those that are listening of, you know, I often go home and I think about what I have to do that day. You know, I think about I'm going home and my family's going to enter into Chris's world, right? 
Like they weren't in my world at work because I was here, but now I go home and they got to, they got to enter into my world and appreciate, you know, what I do. But the truth is, is that when I leave and I go home, I'm, I'm going into their world and I'm going into my wife's world, my kid's world, and I need to be present for them. Right. And in the evenings, a lot of times I'm not. And that's when my wife, that's like the point of the day when she's so excited because it's finally when her and I have time together. And what do I do? I just want to sleep. I just don't want to talk. I want to just be a veg, veg, a vegetable on the, you know, I want to veg out on the bed or the couch. And here, you know, here's this most important part of her day where she wants to talk and I don't even want to talk. And, uh, right. So very different ways of telling the story. One way is, you know, I'm not, not lying. I'm telling some of the truth, some of the dynamics there, but I'm not telling all the truth versus that second type of story. I'm telling the truth and I'm telling my, my, my role in it and I'm owning it. Um, and so it's, it might sound like a bad story about Chris, like, oh yeah, Chris is selfish and he doesn't, you know, always pay attention to his family and his wife, but it's also the story of a realization that I made, right? That I, I, I need to go home and enter their world, not the other way around. Um, and that's, that's the, that's the transformative moment. And I can't remember who said this, but I, I stole the idea and I started doing it in my class. I can't remember the guy who came up with the, this sort of tagline on this practice, the practice of basically every day you, you write down, whether it's in a notebook or on your phone, the five second moments in your day. And he calls it homework for life. So that's what I tell my students. When you, when you want to find stories in your life every day for five minutes at the end of your day, make note of five second moments of transformation that you had. If they were just a small realization, a time when you realized that, you know, made it a realization when you were wrong or you know, whatever happened, write those things down. I call them five second moments because to me, good stories all lead to a moment that really was five seconds long. Like this, mo- this realization that Chris had the other night that I walk, that I, when I go home, I go home thinking I'm, you know, they're going into my world that the truth is I'm actually going into theirs and I need to do the best that I can to be helpful to them. That's a five second moment, but that's what the yeah. story is based around. So everything I share leads up to that little moment um that's a great story yeah yeah i mean you probably never No, i think (laughs) not at all um i'm not here to share stories chris (laughs) i'm just here to talk about them (laughs) i'm just here to talk about them okay um No, I think that's a, that's a great point. I think, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the day, like if you want your story to be impactful, you have to be able to whittle it down to, to a concise point. Uh, yeah, that's the story might be two or three minutes long, but really when you look at it, the essence of the story is just a quick little thing. Um, you know, I go, um, I'm thinking about, you know, uh, I love watching movies and so I, I, I go straight to film, but um, Star Wars, you know, the original three mm-hmm. movies that came out. If you really boil those, those stories down, um, it's really just good versus evil um, or evil versus good, however you mm-hmm. want to look at it. But um, really, like you can take any scene in that movie and you can boil it back to that point. Like any character, you can boil it back to yeah. that point. So it's all there to help tell this, this point um, so that's, that's the heart of the story. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's very important, but yeah, that's, that's a great story you just told. Yeah. Well, um, and, uh, I love, I love that, that example of film that you shared, but it's, it, it's what I find amazing is everybody can 
everyone is an informal storyteller again. That's how we communicate. But everyone can be a storyteller because we all have those moments in our life. We just have to be open to them. And I, I've been starting to use that word lately, you know, open rather than finding or discovering. Because, you know, when we're looking for meaning in a story, the truth is I'm not looking for meaning. I'm just, I just need to start to be open to meaning to it, right? Like something's happening yeah. in, in my life or in an instant, or I'm in a conflict or, or I have a certain challenge going on at work, you know, professionally, personally, whatever it is. Instead of trying to find the meaning in it all, I just need to start to be open to it. And, and being open to it starts with me first asking, how can I be the first one to change here? Um, that question, I think, will always lead to a pretty amazing story, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like if we can ask yeah. ourselves that question more and more, that's what I try to tell the students as well. If you want to become a storyteller, be really good at asking yourself one question. And it's this, how can you be the first to change? Um, uh, because y- if you look back on your life and you ask yourself that question of the times when you didn't, right? And then the times when you did, well, I'll put it, I'll put it this way, actually. You know, um, whenever I teach Arbinger, I always, there's this point, I can't, I don't know when, it's usually towards the first, you know, the first, uh, probably the first hour or something when I'm talking about the main principles. But I always go up to the board and I draw this timeline <laughs> and I say, so look, this was the first time I was introduced to Arbinger. Yeah, I was fortunate enough. I was in college. I was 18. And I remember when I was sitting in there, uh, I had this realization, you know, I thought of the timeline of my life from as far back as I, my memory could, you know, I, that my memory could serve me to the present time. And I, and I, so I draw that timeline on the board and then I put these little marks on there. Like when I first went through Arbinger's stuff, I started to realize here's all these moments in time when I was inward, when I saw people as objects, you know, that's what I first thought, like the very first time I went through Arbinger, but you know, as I studied it and wrote about it and taught it and was immersed in it, I realized that's actually the opposite. That Here's these little moments in time when I was at, when I was outward. The rest of those chunks of time, <laughs> I was mostly inward. The only reason yeah. why I'm real why I'm realizing those other moments is because for the first time I was open and alive to how inward I was. I was open and alive to the problem that I was for other people, and I finally was was awakened to it. Right, and yeah. so that question of how can I be the first to change? We look back on our life, we start to identify moments, you know, in time. Uh, where we weren't changing, <laughs> but maybe we needed to. And then we start to identify those little moments where maybe we did change and those can be powerful, but we start to carry that that question with us day to day. And that's something that I hope a listener would take away from today is that question of how can I be the first to change and then owning it, right? Owning it. And there's a story there. There's some sort of story there. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. I think you know, everybody has a story. It's just uh, like you're saying, it's just being able to, to be open to that story. And, and when that story comes along, be able to identify it and learn from it. Um, so that's a great point. Yeah. Open Love to it. the, open to the meaning, you know, been really, yes. really fixated on that, that word meaning for like the last year. Um, and just trying to understand it, you know, and just today, uh, and I think this all relates to storytelling. Just today, I was working on some of our curriculum in our leadership institute, and we have this portion where we talk about knowing your why, you know, knowing your purpose, and then writing it down. And we actually have our leaders in our institute write down. He'd be amazed too, Julio. Like you know, seasoned leaders, uh, been around for a while, 
how hard it is for some to still be able to define and write down a why, <laughs> like we're, you know, in in twenty words or less. Uh, I don't think a lot of people can do that, but I think there's tremendous value um, in doing that, especially as a leader. Uh, but uh, I was just having this conversation with a colleague today of kind of where my brain's been with it, and it has to do with this conversation of of meaning and and uh, and I think there's a difference between you know, purpose and why and meaning. I think meaning is with the ebb and flow of life. And, uh, when you, when you have meaning, you, you, you inherently start to develop a why and you start to have a purpose. Um, and I think the same goes for storytelling is if we're going to get in the game of formal storytelling, whatever it is, um, we have to constantly be on this quest for the meaning behind it. Uh, and, uh, I think that's where some great great stories are, are forged. Um, because, and I use that word intentionally because stories can change over time. I mean, it's amazing the way I tell a story, like say a story that happened to me 15 years ago, the way I tell it now is very different than the way I told it 10 years ago. It's not like I'd lie or make things up. It's just the more you reflect on it, the more you realize little details you didn't realize before. (laughs) Yeah. The more you learn from them, right? Yeah. The lessons you learned from it changes. (laughs) The facts. And the bigger the fish gets. Yeah. I said the, the bigger the fish gets. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, the facts the facts remain the same, but the lessons learned from it change. Um which is really fascinating about storytelling as well. I think that they're they're constantly changing. Um Yeah, absolutely. And and not only that, but I think you also transform as a person over time too. Uh something that, you know, doesn't have any meaning to you when you were 18. Now that you're, you know, in your thirties, that's, that takes on a whole different meaning, you know, um, once you have kids, you know, things that happened to you before then, um, you're able to reflect back and, um, you know, that's, it's, it's a whole different meaning, um, afterwards. Yeah. And so you, as a person, you're able to, to take things away differently. Um, and that's like, you're saying, it's not that the story is changing, but you're able to draw different meanings. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. And you know, we're not, going to solve all the, all the problems in a, an hour discussion on storytelling, nor are we going to equip anybody to feel <laughs> confident tomorrow to go out and, and tell compelling stories. But I, I, I do hope that this conversation has, has added value to people that, you know, are trying to make a difference, um, trying to lead, yeah. trying to influence because stories is a part of it. But for our last, you know, 10 or so minutes, why don't we maybe address, a, uh, we've hit on this already, but indirectly, but why don't we directly address this, this double-edged sword of storytelling? Because it can be used for evil, <laughs> right? Yes. Um, yes. And where do we see that playing out in our world? What's the damage that it can cause? You know, how does that gather, like, Arbinger would say, how does that contribute to gathering allies and alliances and, and creating a very, very destructive narrative? Um, how does that play out? What are your thoughts on it? Um, and how do we start to change that narrative to become something yeah. that's transformational? Yeah, I think, I think it always goes back to that saying, there's two sides to a coin, right? Like there's, there's always two sides to a story. Um, and unfortunately, Usually we only hear one side of the story or we hear the loudest side of the story. You know, the, the people that make the loudest racket are the ones that are being heard. Um, and, 
you know, uh, news and media, uh, youth, they, they tend to just thrive on that kind of stuff. I think the more controversial or the more shocking the story, the more traction they get, the more viewers they get, um, which is kind of sad to say, but, um, you know, hopefully we start to turn that around and that's kind of our hopes with, with Arvinger and the work we're doing here is to, to tell those stories of inspiration and mm-hmm. change, to help people see that, you know, it's not all bad. Um, we, there's a lot of good in the world and, as long as we focus on the good and how we can help that good um, keep going, um, that's really what we're all here for. Uh, we all want to make this world a better place. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, there's this weird sort of, a, I'm sure there's a, you know, a psychological definition for it, but there's this sort of, you know, addiction to the pervasive, the provocative you know, it's got to be some sort of release of dopamine or something, you know, when, when we hear those stories or see certain things. Um, it's like when, it's like when, you know, you walk into a room and you're like, oh my gosh, what's that smell? And you just keep going, oh, it stinks. And you just, you just keep smelling, right? Let's like the smell stinks, but we just keep sniffing. Yeah. Uh, and then you're like, hey, you got to smell this. Yeah. Yeah. Then you go get <laughs> your friends. I've ever smelled. Dude, come in here and smell this. It reeks. Uh, I think it's the same thing with, with destructive stories. It's like, we know it's, we know it's destructive, but we just keep sniffing. And then we go get our friends to sniff it too. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, and, and I, there's got to be something there, you know, some sort of, release a dopamine or I don't know what it is that yeah. causes it to be somewhat addictive because I would say that the quote unquote bad stories, you know, per, these pervasive sort of destructive narratives, there's a, there's, they, they draw people in quite a bit more than the, than the, you know, inspiring ones. Uh, um, and I don't know why that is. Maybe that's just the, the battle of, of life. Right. But yeah, it's the old saying of it takes, what is it? It takes one good comment to, you know, to erase like 10, oh, sorry, one bad comment to, you know, negate the, the 10, the 10, uh, positive good ones, ones, positive ones. Yeah. yeah. And these similar with stories, yeah. there's so much negativity, you know? Um, yeah, I think people are fearful and, and, uh, when, when you have stories that play on that fear, you know, it triggers that emotion that, that it's almost like a reflex, right? Like we're, we're, uh, we want to either listen up or we want to jolt away, but either way we're paying attention to, to what's going on. Um, so yeah. 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 And there's been a lot of people that have used that for, unfortunately, uh, not so good use. Right. Um, yeah. Pe- leader, people, yeah. People are capitalizing in a negative way. Um, you know, on, on, on storytelling and, and the, the, the draw and love that people have for stories, right? We love stories. And, um, and I think they're being used for evil. We'll say it, you know, back to the star Wars, they're used being used for the dark side, uh, (laughs) quite a bit. And it's unfortunate. Um, but there's so much good, good to share. And, the power of transformation i think is is that the those negative narratives the bad can be used you know for good and for transformation um through like what we were talking about before is through asking the question how can i be the first to change you know um 
it's like the, the question of, you know, for, for, for days, for weeks, I go home and I, I think, how can my family help me feel better about my long, busy day that I've had? Um, and that, that narrative that I carry with me, the destruction that it causes, the missed opportunities with my kids to connect, you know, the missed opportunities to have really important conversations with my wife. You know, I can't change the past that I've been that way, but, but I can leverage all of that to help me realize that Chris, I gotta, you gotta go home. You know, you're asking yourself the wrong question. You gotta go home thinking, how can I enter into their world? Um, and what sort of opportunities can you have tonight, you know, with your kids, what sort of conversations can you have with them or with your, with your wife? Um, so it's, it's, it's not just getting rid of all the bad, it's turning it into something good. And I think that's a gift of a, of a, of a great storyteller is you're not looking for the, the butterflies and rainbows of life. You're looking for the monsters and and finding the, the 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 good in them, right? Uh, that's I think that's a, a powerful story. Um, is to find in the ugliness of of the challenges and and the conflicts and the 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 bitterness of of a lot of life and turning it into um, something of uh, inspiration and hope and and connectivity. Uh, I think that's a that's a trait. That's a skill set to have. Yeah, I think ultimately people want to be good. They want to be better. They want to change. Um, and so I think hearing these stories, I think that's why we naturally gravitate towards these stories is because because we want to be that person, right? We want to be that Chris that goes home and no longer sees their, their wife and kids as the bad guys. Um, you know, we want to be able to step into their world and enjoy their world. Um, oh, that's great. You know, as, as I was thinking about your story, and I don't know if this is going to add anything, or uh, but as as I was thinking about your story, you know, there's always there's always a cynic. Uh, yet when you when you tell stories, you have to think oh, yeah. about your audience, right? Oh, yeah, there's always you always have to you always have to think about where where is your audience at, and what are they going to think when they're hearing these stories? And as I listened to your story, I was like, oh, that's great and all, Chris, but like I don't have time. Like I just. Like, I just want to relax. I don't have time to put the kids to bed, read them a story, talk to the wife. Like, I don't have time to do all that. But, uh, you know, on the other side, it it takes a lot of time to be in the in the box, too. Like, yeah. there's a lot of energy devoted to being in that box. Um, even though it, it might be a little easier to get in that box, it, it takes some energy and time to get in that box. Um, so anyways, I, I just... Um, one example, I just thought of real quick, um, uh, you know, on my, on my way to work, I, I drive in every day and there's a, there's a crossing guard there, um, you know, every morning and he's, and he sits on the corner and he waves to everybody. And, uh, the first couple of times I saw him, I was like, man, what is this guy doing? Like, you know, I then wave to him. I'm like, I don't know who you are. I don't, <laughs> I don't know anything about you, like who you are, what you're doing. Like, yeah, I'm like. Um, you know, and I, and I, I talked myself, you know, yeah. I justified myself for, for not waving to him. Yeah. Obviously. You're waving at me. You're pressuring me to wave back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> um, but anyways, I got thinking about it. I'm like, what, what is this guy? And so I just started to get curious, not necessarily that I went and talked to him, but I just started to put myself in his shoes and just said, you know, what, what is this guy doing? He's a crosswalk. Why is he waving to everybody? I mean, his job is to 
cross or help kids cross the street. Um, but then I got thinking a little bit deeper. I'm like, well, he wants to be seen. He wants to know that, uh, you know, everybody driving around him, he's going to be much safer if people see him and recognize that he's there versus if he just walks out in the middle of the street with the stop sign, right? So, um, and building that routine and people are, are going to know exactly where he's at and they're going to know that he's there every day. And so he's, he's building up this, um, um, not a following, but like, you know, he's, he's building up this, um, uh, what's the word, uh, this cadence or this mm-hmm. routine that he's always there. And so people expect him to be there. And because of that, kids are going to be much safer. So he's doing his job. He's doing his job really well. Yeah. Um, and here I am like thinking the worst of them. Yeah. Thinking this um, guy, this crossing guard is pressuring me yeah. to have to wave. I don't want to wave. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so the first time I wave back, I'm like, I wave back at him and in two seconds he was out of my mind. Like that was, you know, that was all the time and energy I devoted to him when I actually saw that he was there and and doing the right thing. So um, you know, oftentimes we can think that, you know, doing the outward thing or doing the right thing takes more time or more energy, but really um I think it's the other way around. I think you know, holding on to things, holding that grudge is, is usually the, the most time consuming and the most energy wasted yeah. uh, part of our lives. Yeah. And I appreciate that sort of perspective of, uh, of the cynic. There will always be, you know, uh, a cynical perspective and oftentimes from coming from, from me, you know, to, to, to own that. But, uh, it, it, the, the truth is, is that things do take time, right? Our choices lead to different behaviors and different um, actions that result in time spent. But um, it starts just by taking the time to ask a different question, right? Um, how can I be yeah, the first absolutely. to change, right? So yep. uh, I, I would I would encourage, you know, listeners to just start to ask that question. It doesn't take very long to ask ourselves that question, how can I be the first to change? Um, I think that'll lead to stories, you know, that you'll unpack in your life, um, that maybe you need to deal with. It'll, uh, I think it'll help you in your interactions. It'll help you in the stories that you tell. Uh, so I think there's a lot of benefits to that question, but, and we gotta, you know, we gotta wrap up here soon, but, um, there's been a lot to think about today, uh, with storytelling. We got some, just some really valuable information of, you know, your, how you see stories, your process, um, of, uh, storytelling. I feel like we just scratched the surface, to be honest. There's a lot more we could dive into and appreciate you sharing some of uh, Arbinger and, and why stories are important to them. But what would, uh, what would your final, uh, words be to our, to our audience here? What would you want to leave them with? Um, I think it kind of goes along with your question is just, you know, everybody, everybody has a story. Everybody has something that, uh, that's important to share. Um, I think, just taking the time to identify that, uh, take a look at your life and your experiences and say, you know, this happened to me for a reason. What, what was it that, that I needed to learn from that? Or what did I learn from that? Um, and then being able to share that, um, hopefully, you know, uh, like Chris was saying, inward stories about ourselves and, and outward stories about others, share the good that other people are doing and share the times when you messed up to let people know, Hey, uh, you're not alone in this. Uh, you know, you're not the only one that messes up. You're not the only one that's imperfect. Um, a lot of us are going through the same thing, but there's a way out. There's a better way. Uh, there's a better way to live. Yeah. I love that because if, 
one by one, we started to kind of take that perspective, look for the meaning in things, um, in our own stories and the stories of others. Uh, I think we'd start to see incremental changes that can lead to, you know, to better relationships, better organizations, better communities. Uh, I think stories are right at the heart there. You know, I honestly believe that. I think that if we can learn how to tell stories and identify stories in a better way, uh, we can start to, to change, uh, change our communities. So, um, well, Julio, um, I mean, I appreciate you joining the show and taking the time. Um, it's been really, thanks for having me. Yeah. It's been really fun to, to pick your brain on this and, and thanks for letting me share as well. Um, yeah, appreciate, appreciate you, my friend. And I know I'll be, I'll be seeing you, uh, later this, uh, summer for sure at the, the summit. I uh, wish you well yeah. in the preparation for that and all the other work that you're doing. You're doing some uh, yeah. amazing work there telling stories at, at Arbinger. So thank you, my friend. Yeah, the Arbinger Summit is uh, is one of the highlights of my career. So it's always a lot of work, but it's always a lot of fun. And I'm super excited that you're going to be there. Yeah. Um, you, you know, talk about stories. That's what the summit's all about is, is all these stories of all these people coming together and sharing their stories. That's going to be pretty neat. So yeah, thank you for having me, Chris. Hopefully, hopefully people find some good in this or something um, informational. Yeah. Well, I think most of our listeners know about the Arbinger Institute, but if you don't, you know, check them out. Um, they have amazing stories. They do amazing work. They work with a lot of different organizations and um, any videos you watch there. This is, this is the man behind the, behind the scenes there. Um, from pre-production to, to production and post-production, he's he's uh, right there involved. So pretty amazing to have you um, on with us today. But thanks uh, to you, Julio, and, and thanks for all of our listeners tuning in. As always, be safe. And until next time, take care.